Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey there, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose Show, Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125, the Bauer and Rose Podcast, brought to you by JustTheNews.com, wherever you get your podcast, Don't forget to give us uh, a five-star rating, hit the subscribe button, and tell your friends about us. Gary, on, um, I guess it was Wednesday this week, the EPA um, basically mandated the end of the U.S. auto industry. Um issuing regulations, the power of which they don't really have, to um, demand that two-thirds of all new cars sold in this country by 2032 be fully electric. Today, the market is about 5.5%. That's a tenfold increase, all in the name of preventing climate change. Now, first, I want to bear – stick with me here, Bauer. I just want to – I'm doing it. I'm, I'm like, I'm like uh, super glue. <laughs> All right, a real quick primer. I'm oversimplifying here a bit, but if you have a thermal power plant or a conventional internal combustion engine, you're basically lighting a match and burning something, capturing the heat, and that's what makes fossil fuels work. You don't really need a lot of ancillary materials aside from the fuel itself, let alone hard to find, you know, environmentally degrading rare earths. Now, if you want, if you want to electrify something, you need a completely different system for the motor, for the turbine, and even for the axles. And at the end of the day, you're moving a lot of stuff. And when you move stuff with electricity, you need a whole lot more energy. And that's, for instance, why an electric water heater takes so much more, many, so many times more energy per unit of heat produced than, say, a natural gas-fired water heater. You got to make the product lighter. And so what we're talking about here is an order of magnitude, more materials than what you need for a regular gas car. And you need an order of magnitude, different materials than you do for a conventionally gas powered car. You need cobalt and zinc. And in addition to steel and aluminum, lithium, silicon, copper, uh, graphite, and a bunch of rare earths. I can't even pronounce neodymium, uh, all of which are both rare. That's why, that's why they're called rare earths. Yes. They're both extremely destructive to mine, and they're not found here. And in the case of one proposed lithium mine in Nevada, the EPA just banned it. So we've not only destroyed our auto industry, but we're outsourcing the production of everything to China. Well, Tom, I mean, we, we, you know, we can let our own listeners and the American people, if, if they get enough information to think this through, we can... Uh, tell them to reach their own conclusions. But but what conclusion can you reach when the Biden administration wants to shift the entire uh, automobile fleet off of a resource that we have, uh, that we're self-sufficient in, that we our energy and natural gas, energy uh, and natural gas industry is top notch. We're, we're one of the greatest powers in the world. And, and yet the administrations put out a proposal that will gut that industry in order to put the entire transportation fleet, uh, dependent on communist China. I, I, I <laughs> look, if he wasn't paid off, if he and his family weren't paid off with their, uh, their, their deals that were made by Hunter, they should be paid off. <laughs> uh, because they're, they're being cheated. I, I don't, I, it, this stuff is beyond the ability to rationally explain. Uh, that, that's why people like you and I are left with these horrible, 
but potentially, very potentially true explanations uh, about what's going on. The bottom line, Tom, is that this is an anti-freedom administration at every level. They're at, they're, they're at war with basic constitutional rights, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, uh, many of our other liberties, but they're also at war with the basic freedoms of the American people. And one of the great love affairs in America has been the American people with automobiles. It's one of the things that in this great country, which is a large country, uh, that has enabled us to be mobile people, to be able to travel across many, many state lines, to go to visit relatives, to spend holidays together. It's what powers the economy outside of our big cities. But I got news for the big cities. The food they eat and all the other things they enjoy depend on the rest of America having access to cheap fuel and gasoline-powered trucks and automobiles on farms and manufacturing plants and in many other places. This is a war against the America we have known and have enjoyed for all these years. It's an effort to increase and transfer more and more power to leftist-run urban centers at the expense of the great American heartland. Now, you're right. You began by saying that the EPA probably doesn't have this power, but they've taken the power. And the only way that they will be stopped from taking the power is if the Supreme Court of the United States ultimately considers a case brought by somebody uh, over these new regulations. The Supreme Court we have now, I believe, will strike these regulations down. The Supreme Court we will have if Joe Biden or uh, whoever the Democrats nominate gets four more years that Supreme Court will not exist after the two remaining years of the Biden administration and four more years of Biden or Kamala or the governor of California or whoever, uh, the the takeover of America will be complete. Look, I own a Tesla. I love it. It is not any environmentally safer or uh, better than a than a conventionally powered combustion engine automobile. None of this even begins to address, Gary. Tom, f- I thought this was in the contract we signed. That, that, that you got one too? That, that No, that neither of us would be allowed to own a Tesla. I have a bumper sticker on the back of my Tesla, which says my Tesla is powered by fossil fuels. Now, the Tesla, first of all, I love it. It's a fantastic car, Okay. But you shouldn't be forced to buy one. And the reason I have it is not because it's environmentally uh, uh, safer or purer. It is not. It is not. None of this even begins to address the flat-out physical impossibility to produce even a fraction of all the minerals that I mentioned and mispronounced earlier to actually meet these crazy new standards. We're not talking about air pollution. We're talking about emissions of carbon dioxide. Now, carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. Carbon dioxide is an essential chemical for for life on this planet. Um, and the EPA has just simply assumed the power to regulate carbon dioxide. And there is, I mean, there have been all kinds of studies. You have to uh, uh, drive a uh, an EV, I think, eighty to a hundred thousand miles before you're net carbon positive um, in terms of uh, the amount of energy it takes to to build and develop one of these cars. These rare earth uh, uh, minerals that are required. Um, are incredibly difficult to get at. We don't have them. They're well, in Africa. In many cases, in third world country by countries, by children who are basically work, being worked as if they were slaves. Owned by Chinese not- mining companies. Right. And that's that doesn't apparently uh, do anything about the deeply held consciences of America's left always looking for an injustice in America to correct. They're perfectly happy to tell the rest of the world they're not going to be able to develop their nations uh, with uh, gasoline and natural gas 
because we want to keep our our uh, air clean, if that's the excuse these days. And we're perfectly happy to take your children and have them work as slaves for Chinese communist-owned companies in order for us to be able to buy our Teslas and all the rest of it. It's Look, I mean, this has put the auto industry in a bind, not entirely uh, of, of other people's uh, making. Remember, they leapt into bed with the Obama administration and all the radicals um, now in the Biden administration um, so that now it finds itself at the mercy of the federal government. Remember back in 2011 when all the car makers lined up to support Obama, the, the, those absurd EP, those absurd uh, mile per gallon standards, 55 or whatever it was, instead of fighting that or pushing back, they caved and one can argue that it was back then that they simply handed over the keys to their companies to bureaucrats and climate alarmists. Well, th- this is what uh, national socialism uh, ends up in, Tom. When corporations uh, be- get in bed with big government uh, and then do the bidding of big government woke politicians and elected officials, they they're, they're, they become just another powerful force in America that the rest of us have to figure out some way to work around. As we're sadly seeing on the cultural level, we're also seeing it on these kinds of economic issues. Tom, we didn't, I don't think we even addressed the fact that the electrical grid is not ready for the extra demand. Uh, the electrical grid, by the way, has to be powered by something. <laughs> that's so that's powered, a, it's a minor little issue. <laughs> yeah, you either powered with nuclear, which the left hates, or you power it through coal, which they're shutting down the coal-powered plants, or you have to power it by natural gas or um, you know uh, natural gas derivatives, which we have an abundant supply of. Yes, yeah. So it, th- this is insanity, Tom. In a healthy country, and we keep bringing this up. I certainly keep bringing it up that we appear sadly, uh, if we, you and I, become doctors here and put on our uh, you know, our analytical hats, we appear to be a very unhealthy uh, uh, country because if this was a healthy country, the, those common everyday Americans that Ronald Reagan said he trusted more than the faculty at Harvard would say, this is insane. I can't vote Democrat again until this crap is over. But it, the polling continues to show we're a narrowly divided country, and in elections in Virginia a few weeks ago for the state legislature for open seats and elections in Wisconsin this week, uh, last week, uh, people continued to vote for this kind of leftist nonsense, whether they fully realize it or not. Look, the same government that can't keep our state secrets off social media um, – devotes all of its energies to these these phantom threats. There was the story this week um, that the FBI, which is responsible, should be responsible for doing things like keeping the unauthorized disclosure of highly classified information off social media, that uh, the FBI is now monitoring the threat of what it calls, quote, involuntary celibate violent extremism. They've even created a word cloud, Gary. The FBI associates incels. When I first read this in the Washington Free Beacon, I thought it was a typo. It's a term I'd never heard of, and I had to look it up. Incel. You had to look it up this week? Yeah. Wait, Did- Tom, you need to spend more time with me because I, I, I'm, I'm drowning in this stuff. I have to be on top of all these. Incel? Words. Did you know the, what yeah. the word? Oh, oh, definitely. I, I, I never it. heard of yeah. it. I never heard of it. It means a member, apparently this is, uh, of an online community of men who can't attract women and are therefore supposedly hostile toward women and men who are sexually active. Now, that's what the FBI is uh, looking at. And they're using... We used to call them virgins. (laughs) (laughs) I think they used to call them me. You know, uh, nerds, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, All we know about this is thanks to Elon Musk and his the release of the Twitter files about how closely the FBI, the biggest social media company, uh, working together with them to keep this so-called disinformation offline when we have for weeks and weeks floating on publicly available chat rooms, highly, highly classified uh, documents that easily leaked from 
the IC, the intelligence community, we don't know exactly where about uh, about Ukraine, about Israel, about uh, our ammunition uh, stocks, our supply chain shortages, and they're they're uh, you know. Have you have you have you heard about the front page of the Washington Post today? No. They they claim they have uh, solved this. Now it's not clear to me whether they're claiming they solved it and informed the FBI or whether the FBI had to read it on the front page of the Post today. <laughs> the Post claims that they have talked to a teenager who gave them the names of some other teenagers, and the other teenagers confirmed this story. The story is that during COVID, uh, a group of uh, teenagers and a guy that appeared to be older than them uh, found each other in a chat room. And they had mutual uh, things that they liked. They liked gaming. Uh, they were fascinated, or at least the, the uh, adult was fascinated with guns. Um, we're told that uh, they, the group sometimes prayed together, which got my antenna up. Or is the Washington Post and the deep state getting ready to blame this leak of classified information on Christian nationalists? We'll, we'll see where it goes from here. But, um, the story is that the, this older person in this chat room, uh, would periodically say to them, by the way, um, uh, in a couple of weeks or in a month, this is going to happen. And it would be something in the world. And these things would start happening. And so the young, the younger guys were saying to this other guy, man, how do you know all this stuff? And the, this guy said, uh, well, I, I've got uh, access to a lot of information that you don't have access to. So time passes. And this is apparently started during the COVID lockdowns. This is the story. So time passes and this uh, other individual uh, says, um, I, I, um, I'm going to share a lot of information with you, uh, that, but you've got to promise me it won't go out of this chat room. And all of them agree. And so this information that we're now seeing was put into this chat room. And the story is that one of the people in the chat room, uh, ended up putting it on his social media. And it's the stuff we're reading now. Um, the post says that the uh, adult who all these teenagers were looking up to actually works on a U.S. military base here in the United States. And he's one of the people that had access to this type of top secret information uh, Tom, I have a source. Her name is Carol. Uh, I need to check with her because I might have misheard her yesterday. She said that she read somewhere, and I don't know if the figure was 5,000 or 15,000 people in the U.S. government had access to this top secret information that is blowing up America's alliances around the world and deeply hurting America's national security. Gary, can I, can I interject for a second? Um, sure. I spent four years in the White House. I guarantee you that it is at least 50,000 or more. Uh, uh, this was um, SCI material, so-called SCI materials, uh, secure compartmentalized uh, intelligence is what SCI stands for. And... They hand that out like uh, like uh, uh, sugar candy. So uh, that's how Snowden, for instance, had access to everything and was able to leak to Julian Assange. Um, and it's funny how now the administration, all the issue is, uh, are these intelligence leaks real or are they fake? Um, do, do we believe our briefers? The question really is, how are we unable to protect uh, these kinds of uh, 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 very serious documents, whether they're true or they're not, it's greatly uh, uh, harmed the trust of our allies and our ability to keep secrets. And that's going to mean intelligence sharing becomes um, a lot more difficult. Um, some of this stuff 
implied, and I believe it, I don't have evidence to back it up, but I just believe it, that the Israeli intelligence service, the Mossad, um, was actively fomenting the protests against uh, its own government. Uh, other stuff that, that Egypt uh, sought secretly to ship arms to Russia, and we prevented them from doing that, and that South Korea um, uh, denied our request to send ammunition to Poland through Ukraine. All this kind of stuff uh, negatively affects our ability to lead our quote-unquote alliance and makes us look like a bunch of jerks, like, like we don't know what we're doing. Well, maybe <laughs> that's because we're a bunch of jerks and don't know what we're doing. <laughs> Uh, which is, a, I know, a, a bad choice, but when the choices are limited, it might be, as they say, the cleanest clocks, cleanest sock in a drawer of dirty socks. Uh, I don't know where this is going, Tom. Uh, this will probably outrage everybody. But it, one of the lessons out of this may be that if you're a leftist worried about Donald Trump having some classified documents – uh, or you're a conservative upset that Joe Biden uh, had possession of some classified documents, or if you're every man and wonder how uh, our mutual friend Mike Pence accidentally ended up with some in possession of some classified documents, that maybe we all should stop worrying a lot less about former presidents, vice presidents, and senators uh, having some classified documents when there's no evidence that they've done anything inappropriate with any of it and start worrying about actual enemies of the United States getting a hold of classified documents. <laughs> that, that, that we simply give them. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose Show right here on Sirius XM, The Patriot, Channel 125, and the Bauer and Rose Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back, everybody. Gary Bauer, Tom Rose with you. Uh, hope you're having a, a terrific uh, weekend or enjoying it as it um, a- approaches. I have to tell you, Gary, my favorite story of the week, uh, the best news story of the week that I could come up with was that Anheuser-Busch has lost $6 billion in market cap since it announced it was going trans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, since you didn't know what an incel was, maybe <laughs> you haven't heard about this either. Uh, and I want to tread lightly here, but apparently, I don't know whether it's getting a lot of uh, traction, but uh, a number of very upset women uh, have uh, gone on Twitter uh, not to lay, well, to lash out at Budweiser, but also to lash out at Nike that also gave this uh, f- dope, this fool, Dylan, whatever the heck his name is, uh, uh, a contract. Uh, and, and, and these women are burning their Nike bras, their exercise bras. <laughs> so I'll tell you what I'm disappointed at, Tom, and it shows the, the, um, what this movement still doesn't have. I, I saw that PETA, um, the, the animal rights group, had a demonstration out the, outside the Anheuser-Busch's uh, headquarters uh, this week protesting the treatment of the Clydesdale horses. Just think, Tom, if our movement could have, put, could have uh, engendered 500 angry uh, middle American women outside uh, the Anheuser-Busch headquarters uh, saying, uh, we won't take another drink of Budweiser until you stop trying to erase American women. Uh, that would have made news, and it would have really upped the ante, upped the pressure on Anheuser-Busch. 
Now, the woman at Anheuser-Busch that is in charge of marketing, she's a graduate of Harvard. And she was uh, she did a speech some time ago uh, about how uh, Budweiser, uh, Anheuser-Busch had a problem because its image was too fratty. It was associated with frat boys. And we can't have that. I mean, frat boys might be, you know, disproportionately white and privileged. And she was very concerned that uh, that image be corrected, which is why she led Anheuser-Busch uh, down this road of um, uh, of giving a contract uh, to this transgender fool. Um, it's a da- it's a dangerous world out there, Tom, because when she made those negative com- comments about frat boys, some enterprising young man or woman, somebody must have used the Internet. Who knows whether it was a frat boy or not? And they found uh, <laughs> photos and videos of her when she was at Harvard going to frat parties where her favorite pastime, and I, you know, for those with sensitive ears, they might want to, you know, muffle their ears right now, where she was found on on a video on videos and in photographs blowing up condoms with frat boys. And now, the, the oldest, stupidest, dumbest prank in the history of fraternities. I mean, it's, right. it's yes, I'm. This is the marketing genius. I mean, what's next? She's going to replace uh, Clydesdales with cows dressed as horses as the symbol of of, uh, Anheuser-Busch. I mean, the whole thing is so, it's just, it really is Alice in Wonderland. We're living in an Alice in Wonderland world. One of the uh, leading Democrat congressmen, uh, congress things, congresswomen uh, in the House of Representatives, I forget what her name is right now. But she's introduced a transgender, um, the rest of the alphabet soup, uh, a bill of rights, uh, which she wants the Congress to pass immediate, immediately. Tom, transgender people uh, are protected by the same bill of rights that all the rest of us are. It's called the Bill of Rights. And uh, it gives everyone, regardless of what they do in their bedrooms, the freedom of speech, the freedom of assembly, the freedom of worship, the right to own a gun to protect themselves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we're on this. And by the way, half of those freedoms are under attack by the administration that this member of Congress uh, is a great supporter of. So while that actual Bill of Rights is under attack, She's trying to pass a Bill of Rights specifically for the transgender community. We're, we're living, Tom, in a bad episode of the Twilight Zone. But nothing seems to stop it. Nothing seems to shut it down. I keep waiting for normal young men and women in elementary and junior highs and high schools to stand up and just pretend normal heterosexuality and against all of this nonsense (laughs) whatever happened to just being gay look there's been a four thousand percent explosion in kids identifying as transgender and we got doctors performing double mastectomies on healthy teen girls a recent study in the uk young people referred for gender treatment has increased from a total of 97 in 2009 to 3,510 in 2018. That's a 4,000% increase in 10 years. And you're going to tell me this isn't induced, uh, accelerated by A, peer pressure, B, social media, and C, uh, parents that are unable to stand for anything in, in, in protecting their kids. Uh, the UK, Sweden, these were countries that kind of led this whole, uh, disfiguring phenomenon are all now backing off. They're all now saying that uh, the UK, for instance, has launched an official investigation uh, into the increase in children seeking to transition. Um, But here in the US, there's this growing push to inject children with drugs to 
uh, prevent or stall the onset of puberty. They're hormone blockers. Again, the same people who won't buy uh, chickens that are fed with hormones will inject them into their own kids who claim that they're in their wrong bodies. Uh, it's, it's, it's so sick, so dangerous, so unprecedented in the annals of any kind of cultural collapse that I don't even know where we go from here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard, you know, you collapse so far, it gets tough to drop any lower, uh, any further unless you're just going straight to the pit of hell, which is where we may be going. The uh, the big teacher union in the UK, Tom, uh, just passed a resolution demanding drag queen reading hours in all of UK's public schools. Demanding compulsory drag queen reading hours in the UK's public schools. Can the National Education Association, the largest U.S. teachers union, be far behind? Um, the, the prime minister um, of, the, uh, of uh, uh, England uh, said that um, he wants to open an investigation uh, about the uh, more and more, um, uh, what's the word, the, the, the level of stuff that children are being subjected to in the public schools at the earliest years uh, in the name of sex education because he believes he has seen enough evidence to suggest that, that, that what's being shown to kids in the first and second and third grade is totally unacceptable, and he intends to try to do something about it. Tom, here in the United States, a new study just came out uh, that undercuts one of the biggest arguments that the trans community is making. Uh, And that argument is you, parent, must let your little eight-year-old transition because if if you don't do this, you're going to end up with a dead child. The child will commit commit suicide. Well, the the research is now showing that if a child comes out as transgender before the age of 13 and is given these uh, dangerous treatments, either the deforming surgeries or the hormone treatments, they are more likely to commit suicide, more likely to commit suicide. If you withhold these treatments until the child is over the age of 13, guess what? Many of those children no longer think they are trapped in the wrong body. They were just confused kids being sucked in by the popular culture. Kids are kids. Kids are stupid. Look, if there's something about the human race that's changing at a rate that's so fast, there's no precedent for it. We at least have to talk about it. Now, broken down over time, this LGBT stuff, the proportion of Americans identifying as such doubles every generation. A recent Gallup poll, Gary, less than 1% of Americans born before 1946 identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do. 4% of Gen X's do, 10% of Millennials do, and 21.8% of Gen Z. Look, at this rate, everybody's going to be gay by 2054. There aren't going to be any heteros left. All I'm saying is that... The crisis will be taken care of. Right. I mean, all I'm saying is that if things change this much this fast, people have to ask what's going on. And not only are we not doing that, we're, we're, we're criminalizing, we're shaming, we're delegitimizing, we're shunning anyone who dares ask uh, these totally obvious questions. Well, well I'm, I'm sure, Tom, within a few weeks or a few months, the administration will come out and say it's due to global warming. Uh, I mean, you're right. Something had to happen, right? What is it that happened? It couldn't possibly have anything to do with the fact that we're exposing children at an earlier and earlier age to information about human sexuality that is totally inappropriate for the age of the child. It couldn't be that in the last 30 years, we have made it a national fetish, not only to accept our LGBTQ fellow Americans, but we are demanding that everybody celebrate their sexuality. 
And if you say something like, well, when's heterosexual Pride Day, you're called some sort of freaking bigot. It couldn't have anything to do with over the last 30 years. There has been a total meltdown in the Judeo-Christian value system that has undergirded the nation from the very beginning of colonial America all the way up until about the last three decades. It couldn't have anything to do that we are teaching on an accelerated basis to young children that they are the results of mindless evolution that has no significance any more than an amoeba does. They're the equivalent of monkeys. And even if they feel noble things like love, it's due to chemical reactions that evolution has built into their brain. I mean, we, we, we have embraced everything a society that our enemies would want a society would want us to embrace because everything we're embracing makes us weaker, makes us less capable of sacrifice, makes us less likely to get married, makes us less likely to bring children into the world. And while we're doing all that, and this is when you'll blow a gasket, we are embracing the idea that we are in such great shape, we and only we can preserve freedom around the world. Look, every teenager, and I certainly, you probably weren't, I was one of them. It's the, the I don't know if it's primordially driven or if it's God's sense of humor, but teenagers are almost uh, directed by their DNA to act like jerks, right? That's why you don't see 60-year-old men getting nose rings or putting uh, 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 safety pins in the sides of their cheeks. The difference is that when I was a jerk as a teenager, um, I had two parents who didn't take kindly to it, and I knew there were consequences, I tried to get away with stuff, but was too stupid and got caught almost every time. But the point is that there's nothing unusual with teenagers being stupid because teenagers are stupid. What is unusual, what is unique is now we have the institutions of society and the, the, the uh, pinnacle points of our cultural institutions that support this, that promote this. It's, it's not only being normalized, as you said earlier, it's being celebrated. And that's the tragedy, that's the crisis, because when you and I are dead and gone, which won't be too long from now, these younger kids are going to have to live with the consequences of the lunacy, the, the destructive suicidal impulses that we impose upon them. You, you know, Tom, I can't remember if we talked about this uh, earlier in the week, but Macron um, made this trip to China, brought a bunch of French uh, businessmen with him. And uh, when he was there and on the way back, uh, clearly distanced himself from the United States uh, over, uh, you know, being an ally when it comes to safeguarding Taiwan and so forth. And, and of course, I immediately jumped on it and said, uh, well, if he wants Europe to be independent, let's let's have him take a shot at it in Ukraine. Uh, but what is more damaging to the United States? An ally like Macron that went to communist China and indicates uh, when push comes to shove, he's not going to stand with the West against communist China or our own leaders who are daily failing to defend Western civilization, the values of Western civilization, in fact, are in a mad rush to pull America's children as far away from the values of Western civilization as they possibly can. Um, so, you know, this gets back to an issue that I think is too big for us to discuss and too dangerous for us to discuss. You might be surprised about that. Well, you know, at what point does the civilization not become worth defending? That's look, look, uh, this is the it's it's and I want to um, uh, I want to get into this a bit because I think you're raising a critical point. And that it, with with Ukraine and, for instance, our ability to defend ourselves and the partnership and participation of our allies and partners. The one question that any military strategist or geopolitical strategist has to ask um, is the one question that nobody on our side in this war is asking. How do we end the war? How do we win the peace? Two questions. We have no strategy. 
We aren't weakening Putin. We're strengthening him. Remember all the predictions that Russia was going to run out of missiles? Well, guess what? They don't seem to be running out of missiles. Remember all the talk about how they had to move computer chips from washing machines and toasters because they didn't have any? Well, guess what? They've got plenty of cheap powerful computer chips that are coming from China, that are coming from Dubai. Remember when they issued the draft call for 300,000 new conscripts and all our experts all over TV said it could never be realized? Well, guess what? 300,000 made it to the battlefield. The disintegration of the Russian army, the destruction of Russia's military capacity, the destruction of Russia's will to fight, it's all been predicted uh, wall-to-wall cable networks for the past 14 months. And why aren't any of us asking why none of it has proven true? Now, I'm not blaming... Well, you don't count. I'm not blaming Ukraine here. I I totally get it. But Ukrainian military intelligence, which is very good, by the way, has been prosecuting the war through uh, propaganda or disinformation, which is what a country that's been uh, uh, completely brazenly attacked uh, should be doing. But the problem is it's entered our bloodstream and becomes our media's coverage of the war. Our media is not covering the war. It's fighting the war on behalf of Ukraine, which is fine, um, by putting Ukrainian disinformation out there as a self-fulfilling prophecy and um, that's totally understandable I get it I'm on Ukraine's side as well but we have no I mean Winston Churchill was very clear in in May of 1940 what British objectives were in World War II Harry Truman much to his political credit but uh, immediate discredit in terms of popularity was very clear about what our objectives were in the Korean War. Not total victory, but we wanted to contain communism and restore the 38th parallel. Look, Ukraine's objectives for the war are totally understandable from Ukraine's perspective. Liberation of all the territory, uh, reparations, and then, of course, war crimes for Putin. Now, short of marching on Moscow and capturing Moscow Napoleon-style or Charles XII style or Adolf Hitler-style, I'm not sure I see Vladimir Putin uh, voluntarily relinquishing himself to the criminal court, <clears throat> the International Criminal Court in The Hague. And, and, and the answers, I think, are simple from our perspective. We got to be realistic. We need an armistice. We need a DMZ that's that's protected. We need some kind of accession process for Ukraine to get into the EU and not necessarily NATO, but we need some kind of security guarantee for Ukraine. But that necessitates an armistice at the very least. And what we've done by backing away and not issuing any demands, not acting to serve as a mediator or moderator, we've handed the entire field over to China. You know, it's interesting when President Xi issued his uh, uh, so-called peace plan a couple of weeks ago that was obviously tilted toward Russia. It's understandable. Do you know who didn't object to it? Vladimir Zelensky. Now, why didn't he object to it? Because maybe he's desperate to find a way to save what's left of his country. And we saw what China did, what, two, three weeks ago, Gary, when they brought Saudi Arabia and Iran together? I mean, when we step back, we're ceding it to China. And China has every incentive in the world to end this war uh, in a a fashion that protects their interests. And if we're not out there proposing similar ways to end the war, guess who's going to win? So, Tom, um, uh, I, I will avoid the temptation to force you to listen to previous podcasts. But um, the, no, 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 no. I, I'm, st- I'm pro-Ukraine here. I mean, what Putin did was, no, was I, horrendous, outrageous. Yes, but, but I kept asking from the very beginning as this thing got bigger and bigger, where's the peace movement in the United States? There has been a peace movement every other time we've been involved directly or indirectly, college campuses, demonstrations. Why wasn't there this time? Second of all, where were the political figures in the United States on either the right or the left calling for the two sides to, to, to call a ceasefire and to sit down at the table to try to work out some sort of agreement. And Tom, I, I, you know, there were some that was, that were doing that. Donald Trump has been doing it. Um, Rand Paul's been doing it. Kills me to say it, but Rand Paul's been doing it. There have been others, but virtually every contender for the Republican presidential nomination 
has done the exact opposite. They have said, no, negotiations just means Putin gets what he wants. Every one of the Republican presidential competitors has been pouring gasoline on the fire except for Donald Trump. And the, to me, Tom, this is an amazing thing. Well, I believe a good bit of the country is worried that Joe Biden is going to stumble us in to the unthinkable. But then they look over at our side and we're going, why isn't he doing more? But there, there aren't any. Here's my problem. There aren't any stated objectives. We're in a we and we're in the war there. We're in a war of attrition. There are only two ways that you can win that war. You can defeat the enemy's will to fight, or you can defeat the enemy's ability to produce the munitions that are needed to continue the war. Now, if we're going to defeat the enemy by... Um, eliminating his ability to produce the munitions, that means we're going to be bombing Russia, we're going to be destroying their production facilities, and that comes with obvious risks. And it's very clear, Gary, we are not going to uh, destroy Russia's will to fight sooner than uh, Russia will destroy Ukraine's will to fight because Russia's five times the size, has a partnership with China, is getting their advanced munitions from China, from Iran, from North Korea. Uh, we're depleting our stocks. Uh, if anyone's going to win the war of attrition, it's going to be Russia, not us. We aren't even jacking up our, our production, our supply lines. We've given Ukraine 13 years worth of our, our, our javelin production. It'll, at the current rate, it'll take 13 years to replace the javelin we've sent to Ukraine. Now, I'm for providing weapons to Ukraine. I'm provi- I'm, uh, I, I favor, or at least favored our uh, uh, efforts to help Ukraine stave off this horrendous invasion, but there has to be a strategy behind our policy. And if there is, it's a secret. No one's told us what it is. Well, there's not only not a strategy behind the policy, Tom, we have no strategy on how to get Europe to carry their fair share. I mean, this is ridiculous. Every day that we drain our resources. So now we're, we're talking about the, the uh, artillery shells that we had stockpiled in South Korea so that if the unthinkable happens and North Korea comes pouring across the DMZ, that South Korea will have the weapons they need to push them back. We are now draining weapons out of there. Communist China has got to be licking their chops as we deplete ourselves in Ukraine, while European leaders like Macron go to communist China and say, yeah, don't, don't worry about that Taiwan thing. We're, we're, that's, that's between you and the United States. Tom, this, this is a policy. It's built on the same you-know-what we've been building our foreign policy on since the end of World War II. It made sense if for a while. It hasn't made sense for years. He, if Donald I could, Trump was the only one that understood that. He was the only one that tried to pressure Europe to step up and start taking care of their own national defense. And he was undermined in that, not only by the media and the Democrats, he was undermined in that by a big chunk of the Republican Party, who even now will not come to their senses about how we're being paid for played for suckers. There's one question I want to ask our decision makers. One, just one question. Someone please tell me how you win a war of attrition without doing any attriting. <laughs> we aren't replenishing our supplies. We aren't destroying their production capacity the way we did back in World War II. We aren't hitting Russian territory, which is probably smart. So please tell me somebody how we're going to win a war of attrition when we don't attrit anything. I, 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 sp- so, uh, Tom, it, uh, Donald Trump was interviewed uh, by Tucker Carlson, and uh, you probably didn't watch it because uh, it, it would be um, there would have to be probably quite a few sedatives uh, that would come into play here to keep you from uh, exploding. 
I, no, why would you? Why, why would you make a comment like that? I did watch it. I watched it this morning. Oh, okay, well, good. I good. did watch. And my the Zan, I'm out of Xanax. I'm flat out of Xanax. <laughs> That's why I've been so restrained. That's interesting. But uh, I, I thought Trump's demeanor. Oh yeah. And his answers during that interview. Very solid. They were serious. Very solid. It was solid. And the Donald Trump said what I think ought to be a main plank in our campaign in 2024, whoever we nominate. But I don't see anybody else willing to say it other than him. He said to Tucker Carlson, I'll tell you what, what my biggest concern is. I'll tell you what keeps me from sleeping at night. It's not global warming. It's not even some of these economic challenges. It's that the leadership we have in the United States is going to bumble our way into a nuclear war. And, Tom, that ought to be what every Republican candidate is saying. You can still say, you know, if we would have stood with Ukraine earlier, Russia, Putin would have never crossed that line. This guy's weakness is going to cause us to get into a nuclear war. I believe the country is frightened about that possibility, and we ought to be saying it. But no, we sound like we're more likely to get us in a nuclear war than he is. <laughs> You're absolutely right, and we're out of time. I don't know why, but it seems like our best stuff comes at the end of the show. Yeah. You I know how TV shows, you know, they would, uh, you build up to the crescendo at the end, and then back in the old day of the sitcoms, they'd have, um, you know, there'd be a commercial break, and then it would come back for 60 seconds just to keep you for the commercial break. Um, right. Th that's like what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I, the way we end is what causes people to tune in and be disappointed at the beginning of the next podcast. <laughs> and immediately fast forward on their iPad, right. iTunes, right. iPhone, or whatever the heck it's called. Anyway, this was great fun. Have a terrific weekend, and you're feeling you better, too. obviously. And uh, thank, thank you. I, I, uh, uh, you know, I've been wrestling with COVID, and I tested uh, uh, negative this morning. Uh, Fantastic. Positive. Uh, Fantastic. Positive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still, I feel like I've been run over by a, a two-ton truck or 15-ton truck or whatever the heck it is. An electric truck, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, anyway, Tom, I, you know, uh, from both of our faith's perspectives, uh, man, folks, I can't think of a better time to be praying for your country. Amen. Uh, for our leaders, uh, we are in dangerous, dangerous waters. And uh, pray that America wakes up in time. Amen. Amen to that a thousand times. God bless. God bless you. God bless Bauer Nation. And God bless all of the listeners of the Bauer and Rose Show right here on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125.